I think when we laid our seven plans for this period, so we decided to do the parables. And I thought that, well, I don't mind choosing one of the easiest parables. And it's been this parable, the parable of the wise and foolish builder, seems to fit that for me. And isn't it a very familiar parable? And a lot of good principles of life can be actually, you can learn from this. The logic is there. Whether you are learning how to play the guitar, learn how to paint, learn a skill in, for maybe to build a house or something like that, or reading and writing. We know that the roadmap is actually to actually do the foundational thing first. Make sure you get it right first before you actually build, build the rest of your skill. And if your foundation is not good, we know that your skill level will not go very high. Or what you build will actually not be able to be the best what you can get out. So that ends the sermon. <laughs> but as I was reading through this familiar passage, I find that I tend to gloss over it every time. I, say, I knew that. But forced to have a look at it and see from the Word of God, there are a few things which maybe you have found it start to capture my thoughts. Capture my thought. Now, the story is two men go and build, went and built two houses. Two persons, two houses. One decided to go to the place where it's rocky to build the house. And one decided to go to a place where there's sand. Do you know that a house which built on the rock, if he doesn't work on it, will be less stable than the one in the sand? Because if you build something and without working on the rock, the wind comes, it blows it away. So it stayed here that he had to dig deep. A lot of hard work to go into the rock to make sure that he actually, he invested in that process to actually build the house, digging deep, so that the house will be not only standing on the rock, but anchored in the rock. And we have another person who actually just went and built the house on the sand. On the sand. Now, if both of them actually have the same amount of resources to build it and invest in the two houses, you will find that the house built on the sand is probably more beautiful, more equipped. Because the resources are the same, so he will spend more, more on the, 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 the house itself. But well, once the person who actually invested in building the rock, he will have to, his house will be probably more modest than the one on the, the sand. Well, if the first house, you know, came out, he probably the house on the sand is built even faster. More beautiful, faster, with more facilities perhaps than the one 
which actually built on the rock. That's why I conclude. One is look better from the ground up and probably more entertaining too. Now, I do not know, is that the reason why he built on the sand? Or prepared because he's lazy? <laughs> but Jesus put it here that also that he is probably not far-sighted enough. Not far-sighted enough to know that this house has to stand the weather. The house has to stand the weather. And that is one of the important purpose of the house, to stand the weather. The weather is coming. And the stated here is at the testing point. When the storm come in, the house on the rock stood where the house on the sand fall flat. Its destruction was great. That's what is in the Bible. It's written in God's Word. The destruction is great. There's an emphasis there. Total destruction. We know that when Jesus gave us this portion of Scripture, He was meaning for us to apply us to apply to our life to our life, that we should be people who are wanting to anchor our life such a way that when the storm come in, we'll be having a sound structure for our life. Our life. And the storm, to Jesus' parable here, will surely come. Will surely come. The man who built the house on the sand disregard what is coming, the future. And one of the things which Jesus continue, continues to remind us and the scripture continues to remind us that we must be people who look at the distance. We must be people who are inspired with eternity. Our life is not now. We must be a personal people who are building such that when judgment comes, the storm is not just a minor storm of the life you face now here. But when judgment comes, the surety of God coming to judge us, we must always carry that through our life and to all the purposes of what we live for. What we live for. So this is a very serious, serious parable. It's a serious parable. And what Jesus say, if anyone come to me and hear my voice and does not do them, he will be not building his life on something which can stand the storm. It cannot, it cannot stand 
when Christ comes in judgment. Now, of course, there is a point of question as regard to doctrine, whereby we want to actually bridge grace and work. Am I going back to salvation by work? Salvation by work? So what does Jesus mean when he says, we must listen to his word and obey them, and by then, our house can stand. Now, this parable is told by Jesus at the end of the Beatitude. The Beatitude. Actually, it's better for us, actually, on hindsight, to actually preach the Beatitude first before we come to this portion. This portion. And the Beatitude in another portion of the scripture is chapters, uh, in, found in Matthew chapter 6 to 7. And I want you to particularly to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Now, Luke wrote a, perhaps a milder version, a milder version of Jesus taking up this parable. But Matthew actually did not actually hold back, hold back. And then somebody put it that this is the most frightening verse in the Bible. The most frightening verse in the Bible. Matthew chapter 7. Let me read for you from verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So Jesus said, Just because you come at the end of the day when I come to you, I say, Lord, 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 that you can enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Then go on. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name? And did not we cast out demons in your name? And did not we do many mighty work in your name? And then I will, and then Jesus will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I think that was a very inappropriate description Jesus gave. In some places he said, Depart from me, you evildoers. Wow! <laughs> you know, such inappropriate language Jesus used. But perhaps, that's what is this really? So, when I read this, I find, where do I stand, Lord? Where do I stand? And then you unpack this again. We do not enter the kingdom of because we have gift. Because we are gifted to serve God. We do not enter the kingdom based on our giftedness. We do not enter the kingdom of God based on what we can do as an enterprise for God. Or however successful our enterprise is, 
we do not enter the we also do not enter the enter the kingdom of God because we can influence people. We are influencer. No. None of this. None of this actor. In fact, if we read the Beatitude, there is the internalizing of what we believe to our very core. It started with Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are those who mourn. The beatitude started with right internally. Our mourning, our tears, our hunger, knowing that within ourselves we have these failures. We have this inadequacy. We need ourselves. We need to come to the cross. This is the right posture. This is the only posture. We have to come to the cross. And we are blessed. We are blessed. We are not blessed because of all other things, but because we realize through the Holy Spirit how inadequate we are. And then we can come and to be correctly at the cross of Christ, being saved, being born again, being restored. And then only we can start being what Christ say, you are a good tree and then you can bear good fruit. Because we have to be organically transformed from a dead tree to be a tree which is good, alive. If we do not go through that passage of humbling ourselves on our knees and coming to Christ to be transformed by Him in humility to know that it is only through His blood In, in, in a correct understanding of sin and holiness, and we find ourselves so, so, so far away, if we not only come to that point of time, in that humility, then we would not be blessed to come to, to be able to restore by Him. And that to me is actually coming to God to dig on so that we can put our anchor on Christ, the rock. And only from then on, with that transform, that transformation and that restoration, humbly walking in our path, with Him actually, like what Rock Coy say, we try and God help us to harvest. It is God working by our openness and humility to come to Him. And that to me is putting our anchor, building our house on the rock. Not because of ability, of giftedness, 
not because of how successful we are in being able to do an enterprise even for the church or for, for his, his, in his name. That's what he said. Do we not do this in your name? No. But to come, to come, to know him, and through his transformation, then only we will be able to do his will and to obey his commandment. And to obey his commandment is also a journey we travel to, a transformation, a journey. So this is what I learned from this passage. And I hope that in one of the part of the beatitude is, you know, uh, do not judge others and all that. I, I like us to actually reflect internally and not just say, ah, I think if this sermon is for somebody else, somebody else, but to reflect internally. And if you want to go back and read the Beatitude in prayer, read again the Beatitude in prayer and let the Lord minister to you. Shall we pray? My Father God, we do not want to meet with you and have you say, depart from me, you evildoers. I do not want that. We do not want. Give us an eye to be able to see in a fresh way what we are building our heart and our life on. We pray for this. Some of us are in our end journey of our life. And if we have to learn some of this lesson even at the end of our life, dear Lord God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will teach us. Lord, some of us are in the middle part still building our life in career, in being a family member in all areas. We pray that you refresh our eyes on what we invest in our life. Father God, we pray, asking your Holy Spirit to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.